Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. A science story, huh? And I just happy. thought, well, I had figured it, wow. out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey guys, welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. It's me, Aaron Barker, one more time before Ben Lilly's glorious return next week. This week we have a story from Chris Rusi. The story was recorded June 21st, 2012 at Live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So in 2006, I was working on a project funded by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, otherwise known as DARPA. Now, DARPA will not fund hard projects. That would be too easy. They fund what they call DARPA hard projects, which to any ordinary human would be considered impossible or magical. So here we are, funded to read the brainwaves of a fighter pilot, extract from the data the activity in the visual part of the brain, determine if the pilot is looking at something blurry or not, and then use that in a feedback loop to focus whatever it is he's looking at. That led me to Bellevue Mental Hospital in New York City to have my head examined. Well, really, because they had the instrument there that was sensitive enough to measure the brainwaves. Um, it was a helmet covered with superconducting quantum interference devices, which are magical in their sensitivity and precision. And, of course, it's got the word quantum in it, which really makes it special. Uh, Brian? Uh, so, they, I, first off, I have to back off here and tell you that I, I consider myself to be a rational person. I'm a big fan of clear, concise explanations. I don't believe in angels. I don't believe in fairies. And after working on this data for several months and dealing with the guy on the project at Bellevue, I was having trouble telling the difference between the technology and the magic. And, and I needed a break. And luckily, we were planning a vacation. Now, let me tell you about vacations, how we choose where to go. I hate crowds. Well, not you, but <laughs> crowds in general. And, and I like to go places that are kind of off the beaten path. And we ended up in Peguche, Ecuador, uh, in the Andes Mountains, in a small hotel built into the side of a mountain. Um, it was built in the style of the Incas, and probably by the descendants of the Incas. 
and run by a man named Marcos Lema. Now, Marcos was this ruggedly handsome indigenous man, long black hair and a ponytail, but well-educated in the States, spoke four languages fluently. So I wake up one morning uh, at the hotel with the worst cold I've ever had, totally stuffed up, uh, sore throat, the works. And at breakfast, Marcos was concerned. And he said, you didn't walk through the woods to a gato yesterday, did you? I said, yeah. He says, ah, muy mala suerte, very bad luck. I know what's wrong with you. You have, and I said, you mean beside, beside by duffed up doughs? <laughs> and he says, no, no, you, that's just the symptoms. You have mal aire. Mal aire, he tells me, is the spirit of a person that's died violently and is roaming the earth, attacking the living, and causing disease. He says, you, have, you are possessed by an evil spirit, but you're in luck. Before I built this hotel, I was a shaman. <laughs> Would you like me to cure you? Right. Okay, here I am, an engineer, a scientist, and here's this educated man spouting the worst kind of fuzzy thinking, superstitious claptrap. I look him in the eye and I say, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I was trying to get away from the science, and this was sure headed in that direction. And I travel to these faraway places to do unusual things, and this was different. And when you're way in the Andes Mountains, far from anywhere, you really want to not offend people who are calling themselves shamans. So we go outside, and Marcos gets his instruments together for the procedure. An embroidered cloth, a glass of water, an egg, a piece of bark from a tree called a spirit wood. And he says, uh, do you have anything personal that you wouldn't mind losing? And I'm you know, checking my pockets, and all I have is a dime. And he says, oh, a dime, that's good. Put it in the glass. And I, so I do. Then he covers my head with the cloth, and he says, that's so the spirit won't see what I'm doing. Well, that, that's a good explanation. <laughs> and then he, he lights the spirit wood, which smells a lot like incense, and he says, now calm yourself. Meditate. This will lull the spirit into not paying strict attention into what is about to happen. Now, good explanation, but now I'm starting to worry a little bit. I mean, here I am with my head covered with a tablecloth, and some crazy person is saying he's going to do something that I can't see. Like visions of Inca bloody altars are running through my head. The meditation was not going well. So Marcos puts the egg on top of my head, and he starts to chant in Quechua. Now, in case you don't know what Quechua is, that and its sister language, Aymara, are the oldest known human languages, and they're unrelated to any other languages on the planet. I was in Peru once, and I asked a Quechua speaker why the language is so strange, excuse me, and he said, well, we, t we were told in our village that our earliest ancestors were taught Quechua by aliens from outer space. Well, that's another story, but so Marcos, chanting in Quechua, egg on my head, and it's kind of soothing, it's kind of hypnotic, and he, this goes on for several minutes. And he takes the tablecloth off my head and shows me the glass, which now has the egg and the dime in it. And I said, so what just happened here? And he says, well, 
I've coaxed the demon into the egg, but it still thinks it's in your head because it's in something round filled with goo. <laughs> and it's touching the dime, which was recently in contact with you, so it thinks it's still with you. And it's under the water, so it can't really sense the world as well, and it will stay in the egg. Now, this makes a certain amount of strange, irrational sense to me, <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. If you believe in disembodied spirits, and that they can be manipulated, and that they can inhabit an egg, and that personal contact imbues objects with your aura, well then, this is a perfectly logical and consistent <laughs> worldview. So I said, well, are we done? And he says, well, no. And then he does what I think shamans everywhere are taught to do. He refers me to a specialist. <laughs> In the next village is a shaman who's an herbal expert. And although I don't have evil spirits anymore, I have a hell of a cold. <laughs> so we go to the next shaman. And he picks an armload of herbs. And he tells me, shows me how to make tea. So we go back to the hotel, big production in the kitchen, taking a big pot of tea and rendering it down to one cup, and then I drink it and go to bed. Now, I'm a big fan of better living through chemistry, and most modern medicines are made from plants, so I'm not really too concerned. Wrong. <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night, drenched in sweat, heart rate 190 plus, pulse thready, and I'm thinking, poisoned. Now, here I am in the middle of the Andes, and the only help is the shaman that got me into this pickle. So panic might have been appropriate, but most of you don't know me very well. In my fully panicked state and my fully calm ground state are really close together. <laughs> but, but I was worried. <laughs> and, and, and then I started to cough. And I coughed up. Well, let's just say it was a really productive cough. <laughs> and in between hacking fits, I had time to reflect just how great an idea it was taking a witch's brew in the middle of the Andes Mountains. So I finally get to sleep. I wake up in the morning exhausted, and I stumble out of bed. The only thought on my mind is to take this glass and fling it into the woods as far as I can, which Marco said was the end of the ritual. And I go outside and I wing it out there, and I take a deep breath, and I feel fine. No stuffed up head, no sore throat, never felt better, I'm cured. I'm amazed and not a little disturbed. <laughs> I mean, I'm a skeptic. I'm a firm non-believer in the supernatural. What the hell just happened here? Was it the exorcism? Was it the herbal, natural, industrial strength expectorant from hell? <laughs> Was it the placebo effect? I don't know. I've thought about it since then. Something happened. It was physical or metaphysical or both or neither. I have a friend in Kalamazoo who was actually raised by a shaman. And when I told him this story, he said, well, that's not right. Usually the egg goes under your armpit. <laughs> But other than that, he saw nothing unusual in this story. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not, that's not my worldview. A famous science fiction author, um, Arthur C. Clarke, once said that 
any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's, our, that's Clark's third law. And the mind-reading computer program that DARPA had me writing certainly was looking more and more normal to me. <laughs> but if Clark had grown up the descendants of Incas in Marcos's world, he might have come up with a different saying that any sufficiently advanced magic is indistinguishable from technology. Thank you. That was Chris Rusi, a staff researcher at Michigan Tech University who has been involved in both hardware and software development applied to scientific research since 1979. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org where we have our magazine, archives of the podcast, and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Ben Lilly, and Brian Weck. The podcast is produced by Audrey Quinn. The theme music is by Ghost. We receive additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, Raphael Benin, Rose Eveleth, and Sarah Mondelaire. Special thanks to Live for hosting the show, and thanks for listening. <laughs>